This is the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, the Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Welcome, weekend political warriors. Item number one, election results, Tuesday, August 6th. Primary election, uh, not many races. Obviously, this is an off year, an odd year. Not much going on around the state, but a few municipal elections and a lot of bond issues on the ballot around the state in head-to-head campaign contest, for instance, in the city of Flint. That's probably the big one. Mayor Karen Weaver is going for a second full four-year term. She was subject to a recall two years ago. You may remember she survived that. She was elected for the first time four years ago. She is running for re-election. She had three opponents in a primary. She emerged in first place in the results on this past Tuesday, August 6th, but with only 42% of the vote. So 58% of the vote was collected by her three opponents, and one of those three, State Representative Sheldon Neely, got 39.5%, so only 2.5% behind, just over 200 votes behind the incumbent mayor, Karen Weaver, and The other two candidates in the race who got 18% between them, you can argue, uh, would have probably voted for Sheldon Neely if uh, uh, the voters who supported those two candidates would have voted for Sheldon Neely if the two candidates they voted for had not been on the ballot. So going forward, Sheldon Neely actually has got some momentum, but uh, a general election is far different from a primary in November. There's going to be a much higher turnout. And the real question is, how about all those voters who didn't show up on August 6th? Will they show up in November? And which way will they go? We'll find out. In Warren, incumbent Mayor Jim Fouts, always a controversial figure, had a bunch of opponents. But unlike Karen Weaver, he really smoked his competition. He got 58% of the vote against all challengers. A city councilwoman named Kelly Collegio got uh, about 23%, I believe, 35% behind Jim Fouch. She will be in a runoff in November against him, uh, but she's got a steep hill to climb. The rest of the races around the state were indistinguishable and uninteresting in the sense that incumbents uh, basically won for city council in the city of Jackson. The incumbent mayor uh, goes on to the general election in a comfortable position. Now, there were some ballot issues around the state, and they're pretty interesting. Um, 104 of them passed. These are uh, bond propositions, uh, millage proposals. They raised collectively around the state 254 million dollars for local governments, for schools, roads, and other purposes. 104 of them passed. Only 12 lost. But one of the ones that lost was a huge $57 million parking structure 
bond issue in the city of Birmingham. Uh, We have talked about that on this program leading up to the August 6th primary, and we are going to have some commentary on that later in the program. Uh, Very interesting uh, results around the state with that high a percentage passing, showing people are willing to pony up uh, tax dollars on a local basis for things that they are convinced are really going to benefit their community locally as opposed to, I think, the suspicion that a lot of voters have at the local level about what the state might be asking for revenue for through taxes and uh, other devices. So going forward, we'll see what happens. Other issues this week, item number two, um, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, in response to a reporter's question from a Spanish-speaking news outlet, said, she would be open to uh, undocumented migrants or aliens or undocumented citizens or whatever here in the state getting driver's license. Now, that's interesting in that back in 2008 when Gretchen Whitmer was in the state Senate, uh, she voted to ban undocumented uh, people, workers, whatever, in Michigan, illegally, uh, in the sense that they are not uh, citizens getting driver's licenses. And uh, Governor Jennifer Granholm signed that legislation into law. It got heavy support, uh, this ban, back in 2008 from both Democrats and Republicans. But now Gretchen Whitmer says, well, I'd be open to that. And by the way, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, who is in charge of driver's licenses here in the state uh, and who said she would oppose undocumented workers getting driver's licenses, now says she agrees that it would be a good idea. And Dana Nessel, the attorney general, has pretty much always been on record as saying she supports that. So you've got the big three decision-makers and state government all on board with that. However, it takes legislation, and there's not much support for that, certainly from Republicans in the legislature, and they control both chambers, the state House and the state Senate. Democrats are probably going to be divided on that issue. Uh, We'll see what happens going forward, but don't look for much activity in the legislature on that subject, although it's very interesting that the executive officers Uh, are now on board with giving undocumented citizens uh, driver license access. Uh, Brooks Patterson, this is item number three, the legend in his own lifetime, uh, Oakland County executive, passed away last weekend at the age of 80. Uh, A lot of uh, hand-wringing and sorrow uh, at the passing of Brooks Patterson, although he was a controversial figure. Many people didn't like him, but even his enemies admired his uh, wit, certainly. He was probably the funniest state office holder, uh, not statewide elected, but official of any kind who got uh, a lot of publicity for his remarks, certainly the wittiest in the state over the past half century. Uh, tremendous energy, proved himself to be a very capable executive in Oakland County, 
and uh, had uh, tremendous staying power. Uh, he had announced he was not going to run for re-election in 2020. He had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer last March, stage four, and he lasted until last weekend. Now, that's created, obviously, I wouldn't say a vacancy in the office because the deputy uh, county executive, uh, Gerald Poisson, takes over uh, until a successor is chosen. And who is that successor going to be? Well, we'll get into that later in the program, but there is a mad scramble somewhat unseemly at this point before Brooks Patterson is even buried, uh, before there's even a service for him in this coming week uh, to succeed him and how that's going to be accomplished. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Up in Traverse City, State Representative Larry Inman uh, under siege again. Uh, Continuously, uh, he has been indicted on charges of soliciting bribes. Uh, He has refused to resign from the State House of Representatives. The Democrats in Grand Traverse County in his district say they're going to mount a recall campaign against him. They've taken out petitions. And I think the real question at this point is, will they get the signatures? And if they look like they will, might the legislature move to expel Larry Inman first and negate the necessity of a recall election? We're going to be back in a minute with our first guest. Stay tuned. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we have on the other line David Forsmark, president of Winning Strategies, I believe based in Flushing in suburban Genesee County outside of Flint. David Forsmark, welcome to The Political Insider. Morning, Bill. Well, now, Winning Strategies, you are a uh, political consultant, you public relations. Uh, what is Winning Strategies altogether? Uh, basically, I do mostly campaigns. I, I don't take that many private clients because nobody, you know, uh, private sector clients because nobody wants to be ignored for six months every other year. <laughs> so it's basically, uh, I, do issue, I do issue campaigns and, and, uh, and politicians, mostly, uh, mostly Republicans, but it, you know, I have I have three or four Bay County Democrats that I represent still. Right, and you were active in this bond issue proposal on the ballot in the city of Birmingham on yes, Tuesday, August sixth. Uh, tell us about that. What's going that, on there? That was the strangest race. Um, but basically, the developers uh, they hired Truscott Rossman, and I think they. I don't. I mean, we made a difference. I mean, we put out very detailed pieces on why we thought it was a bad idea. We did like three of them. They were doing about three a week. And I think they spent themselves into a bigger no. It, it was, you know, you get those races like, uh, like was done against Gary Howell out in Lapeer where people get four things in the mail in one day. Or if they ignore their mailbox or they go away for a couple of days, they come back, it's all full of stuff from that campaign. And people just kind of go, wait a minute, you know. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen money spent so poorly. Uh, and it was, and it was the weirdest campaigns 
finance statement. Um, the money was spent. There, there were just companies all over the country that they were using. Um, you could tell by the writing nobody ever been to Birmingham or heard of it before. Um, it was just an odd, odd campaign. And then the city started doing really heavy-handed stuff. The city spent twenty grand on information mailings that were the most argumentative things I've ever seen in a, in a race like that. They took our first mailing, took all of our points, and then put out a myth versus fact taxpayer-paid piece. Wow. And, uh, and the Secretary of State under Jocelyn Benson said it was fine. Um, <laughs> which, you know, if you, if you remember back to the gag rule, uh, that whole thing when they tried to reform what cities and school systems and, and things like that could do, um, everybody got real cautious about what you could say. But this was so far over the line, I wouldn't even be surprised if it provoked some legislation. Well, let's back up just a little bit here for our listeners. Make sure they understand exactly what was this proposal. It was to build a huge parking ramp in downtown right. Birmingham, wasn't it? Can you explain and, that? And it, was on, and it was on the most – so it, it is an ugly space right now. There's a, if, you, if you go to Birmingham, you know, you've got the downtown, and then just kind of off to the west and south, just north of where the Rouge River comes through, um, there's – there's just this big old empty parking lot with a cyclone fence, and uh, um, the old parking garage sort of sits at the end of that. And but it is also probably the most desirable piece of undeveloped property left in Birmingham. And it kind of sits up above uh, one of the parks, and it would kind of dominate the skyline from a couple of angles. So they were going to build a big parking garage, and then. Allowed to, then they they had stuff set aside for other, the other developers to it was almost like well build buildings around this parking garage so the parking garage doesn't dominate everything and it was just an odd just the way it came together um, it was just an odd proposal so the and, the opposition was a pretty much uh, focused on this is going to be too costly for what it is well yeah part of it it was like. Do we want, and it was a 99-year lease, so it's kind of, you know, people are thinking, in 100 years, are we even going to need a parking garage, you know? Um, there was uh, issues of uh, uh, the way the city, uh, I mean, they shut down the bait. There was a federal lawsuit because they were, I mean, they, they acted like little, uh, you know, Hugo Chavez is the way they were treating citizens. Um, just the whole thing. But it was, they kept saying there's no cost to taxpayers, and people were going, well, wait a minute, you know, you're, you're spent 14 millions telling us there's a free lunch. We don't believe there's a free lunch. At the same time, the city was going to put throw $10 million cash into the, into the kitty. And they were like, well, that's not taxpayers' money, that's parking garage money. Well, you know, tell people that money that your city holds has nothing, is not their money. That doesn't sit well with people either. They could have said there's no tax increase, and then they'd have been – that that was that would have been a fair point, but to say there's no cost to taxpayers is not a fair point. Okay, so, so this, all that kind of stuff that just kind of all came together in a big mishmash. Yeah, so this was like a yes versus a no proposition, and right. the yes side vastly outspent you, including you could argue uh, taxpayers' money in the form of mailings from city government, and yet. You prevailed by a huge margin, better than yeah, two the, to the one. The no side. The loan outspent us two to one, and the other, the yes campaign outspent us about twenty to one. 
Well, and you nevertheless won with better than two to one, as you say, it backfired on them apparently. Yeah, I think I I, I was always pretty confident that we would win. I wasn't expecting sixty-eight thirty-two, and I think I think the way the money was spent and the way the city and everybody acted, you know, drove drove the no vote up uh, probably ten or fifteen percent. What would be your guess as to what the city of Birmingham does now? I mean, is there's going, to be, there's going to be something there, and, and it'll involve some parking. And there's also a restoration hardware project that, you know, they dangled out there as part of the of the project, but it really wasn't. And I don't see why restoration hardware would think Birmingham's less attractive now. They'll just do something else, and it it will, you know, there's there's going to have to be something done there. Okay, it's, well, it's just a big ugly space. It'll just it'll be something different. Okay, let's. Uh, and, the, and the yes side and, and the no side on this was basically spearheaded by people who are usually pro development. Right. So it wasn't that the, the balance for Birmingham uh, PAC has always been known as the pro development side of the argument in Birmingham since, since we started, I started working with them back in 2003. Right. Well, let's move on to another subject, but stay in Oakland County. And that is the uh, passing last weekend of L. Brooks Patterson, the legend in his own time, uh, Oakland County executive, and the somewhat, I would say, unseemly mad scramble to succeed him at this point, which is extremely confusing. How do you read what's going on down in Oakland County right now in that regard? Well, I'd say I miss Brooks terribly. Um, and when I got married, uh, I got a, I got a, a gift sent to me by a Lewis Patterson, a really, really nice gift. And I said to my <laughs> wife, "Who, who, is there, who's Lewis Patterson? It's got to be somebody from your side of the family." She said, "No, look, all, all the friends you've got, it's, it's somebody." We, it, it didn't strike me, L. Patterson. It took me like half an hour to figure out that was Brooks. <laughs> and uh, but I was like, "Wow, Brooks!" And then uh, he was there. One of the first public events after the accident was coming to our wedding, and uh, the only pictures I have of him, I told the photographer, get a good picture of that guy. He's important. And she kept trying to get a good picture, and he noticed it. Every time she came around, he licked his spoon and hung it from his nose. <laughs> well, so, that's that's Brooks Patterson in a nutshell. Yeah. All- and I miss him terribly. Uh, and uh, he, and he, he was introduced to me by Brian Whiston 30 years ago. And right. now, within a couple of years, we've lost them both of pancreatic cancer, and yeah. it's, it's pretty tough. It really is. Listen, we'll be back in a minute. I want to talk more about the frantic efforts by some in Oakland County to succeed Brooks Patterson. We'll be back. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We are back with David Forsmark. He is president of Winning Strategies on the winning side of the bond issue proposal in the city of Birmingham last Tuesday and a keen observer of all things political in Oakland County and all around the state. We were talking when we took a break about the passing of L. Brooks Patterson, Oakland County executive, last weekend, and now a mad scramble to succeed him uh, involving uh, various different political personalities in Oakland County. I just want to ask David Forsmark, how do you read what's happening right now? Can you describe to our listeners what the situation is? Well, the, the county board is, there's only a few counties that have 
uh, county executives, and, and there's two kinds of county governments that have them. So Oakland and Bay are Public Act 139 counties. Um, and I, I remember I learned all this when I was helping do the reapport, county commission reapportionment back in 2012 when I worked for Bill Bullard. And uh, so the county board um, either has 30 days. They only have 30 days to appoint a successor. So they can't sit around. And uh, basically, Dave Woodward had the Democrats took over the majority last election by one vote. So there's a third, there's a 11-10 Democrat majority. Um, but there's also a law that I think you could challenge in court in this case that says uh, county commissioner can't be appointed to a job. And I think that means like dog catcher, not county executive. It was written before there were county executives to kind of uh, um, kind of an anti-corruption measure. And uh, but instead of they don't have time to fight it. So Woodward did not resign from the county board. And by without, the way, by the way, without, David, without, David. without a, an assurance from a Republican or two that he had their vote, because the alternative is Andrew Meisner who, in my opinion, is the biggest snake in Oakland County. He's the county uh, I, treasurer. Let's, let's he's the county treasurer. Yeah. And, and, and David I, Woodward. I've seen him sit and lie to people's faces over and over and over and over again with, with, with this smug kind of arrogance, and he doesn't care if you call him on it. People, people Dave Woodward is a liberal Democrat, but he keeps his word. Um, and, in fact, he kept uh, former floor leader, Republican floor leader Chris Ward on as the head bureaucrat that helps the county commissioners even after they took over the majority. Okay, well, so Dave, Dave Woodward, reach Dave Woodward, yeah, Dave Woodward then did resign, right? He did resign, and he can't unresign. Okay, so he's out, and now the board is 10-10. 10 Democrats, 10, 10 Republicans. 10. Well, does that well, give like the said, Republicans there would have leverage? There a Republican or two who promised him their vote that would have to then backstab him in order for anything else to happen but Dave Woodward to be appointed. So is it possible that there could be a deadlock and maybe Gerald Poisson, who is the deputy Oakland County Executive, might end up uh, presiding no. for the next 15 no, I'll months? Tell you what what will happen is the, uh, well, like I said, if, if a Republican decided to absolutely lie to Dave's face and stab him in the back, yeah, that's possible. But that's what it, I, that's, that is, that is the plan, and I can tell you there's a couple of – I know at least four or five Republican commissioners who would do anything to keep it from being Andy Meisner, who, if the Republicans if, – if Woodward doesn't get this vote, ultimately I think Meisner will be the next county executive. Well, you mean by beating Woodward in the Democratic primary next year? Exactly. Or do you think My exactly. Okay, that's the only way you think that Meisner would actually get the job – and that right. would that would be beginning uh, obviously in January of 2021 after right. the election. Now, yeah. if you keep a 10-10 deadlock and nobody agrees on anybody, then you get a special election. Oh, they've really? Got Thirty days. They've got thirty days to appoint somebody, or there's a special election. I got it. So, in other words, there could be a special election. Let's say later this year between obviously uh, on the Democratic side. Uh, it would be Meisner versus Woodward and whoever else, and the Republicans will have to come up with somebody. And then, uh, well, then be a, I think you would definitely see. Uh, I think Bashar would definitely run a special election and and possibly win. 
I just am not optimistic about anybody winning countywide as a Republican in Oakland County anymore. I think uh, everybody, Mike Bouchard is probably one of the five finest county sheriffs in in the country. And, I mean, the Oakland County Sheriff's Department is a very fine police department. And in a lot of ways, they help other police departments more than the state police does. Uh, they do crime lab for other people well, without okay, taking okay. over the case. And yeah, but l- so l- I think people want people have dem- the voters have demonstrated they want Mike Bouchard to be sheriff. Okay, but let me um, interject here. In other words, though, if you're a Republican county commissioner, wouldn't it be in the best interest of the Republican Party if they have any chance to retain county executive? Which let's face it, is a more important position than sheriff, no matter how good Mike Bouchard is, uh, to have a deadlock and then have a special election, and then Bouchard could run uh, in the special election. If he loses, he's still sheriff, and he can come back and run again for re-election next year as sheriff. But if he wins, he's the county executive. Wouldn't the Republicans like that? They would like that, but like I said, somebody would have, and I think it would come out, I think the process would come out and then Republicans would have gotten it would have really gotten it through some really kind of disgusting political tactics, which also could come back to bite them. I, you know, Brooks Brooks could have resigned and and people talked to him about it, whether he could resign and have the Republican board appoint him before last December, you know, right, the last December. Right, right. And he said, that's not going to be my legacy. There's the people elected me to serve. I'm going to serve. And if, Republicans want Brooks's legacy to be that they backstabbed their way into a special election. They can do it. I, I just, you know, somewhere along the line, morality should come into this. Okay, let me um, switch. We don't have much time. Flint, sure. the mayoral election there. What happened on Tuesday, August 6th? What may happen in November? It was pretty stunning because you got to remember two years ago, Karen Weaver faced a recall election and got 53% of the vote. Um, in a in a I don't know eighteen way race or whatever it was. Yeah, and uh, for her to be down around forty, and Sheldon Neely to be almost there, and and then Don Pfeiffer actually took the Miller Road area. Um, shows extraordinary, I think, an extraordinary erosion of her support uh, in the last two years. So you think that Sheldon Neely has a good shot in November? I think he's got the momentum. I really do. I think there's uh, – I, I was surprised at, at how he did it. He didn't do much. He spent barely anything in that in that primary. He had a little commercial with his wife talking. and uh, But his, his, his base and his state reps, he did a good job. They, they turned out for him. And, you know, everybody talks about, well, there's only 9,000 votes. Last mayoral election, last couple of mayoral elections were only twelve or thirteen thousand votes. So the primary was three quarters of what normally votes in a mayoral election in Flint. I think there's only sixty thousand people still living in Flint, frankly. Well, and, uh, you you look at the votes for Don Pfeiffer, who I think got like eighteen percent or thirteen percent, I guess, and Greg Easton five percent, eighteen percent between them. Most of that would have been votes that would have probably gone to Neely if Pfeiffer and Eason hadn't been on the ballot, wouldn't they? I agree. I think most of the vote that didn't go to Karen Weaver was an anti-Karen Weaver vote, especially when, like I said, when you look at what what she won by two years ago. So there's something going on, and um, I think Neely's in a Neely's in a position to capitalize. I think he'll have to 
spend more, but on the other hand, supposedly she spent two hundred grand on her campaign this year. It didn't look like a two hundred thousand dollar campaign. I don't think it all went to that strip club. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think she outspent Neely by the campaign finance reports by about twelve to one. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, and she, yeah, she she outspent everybody. She outspent the field by probably five to one. Wow, uh, we are out of time on this segment. Unfortunately, we could keep going. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are other issues I wanted to talk to David Forsmark about, but guess what? We'll get David Forsmark back on the program. He can talk about anything. We'll have him back. Anytime, Thank though. you very much, David Forsmark. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We have returned, and we have on the other line with us uh, Oakland County Commissioner Shelley Goodman-Taub, who is a very powerful vote-getter in her 12th district on the Oakland County Board of Commissioners, which I believe is like City of Birmingham, uh, West Bloomfield, Bloomfield Township, all her parts. She can uh, clarify that. But Shelly Goodman-Taub, welcome to the Political Insider. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for having me. And, yeah, I don't have West Bloomfield this time. Just Birmingham, the city of Bloomfield Hills, and most of Bloomfield Township. There but you... that's okay. I used to have it. You've got a great memory. <laughs> well, also, I remember you were a state representative, and uh, you uh, – Obviously, these days can't stay that long in the state house, but you were on the board before you were a state representative, and now you're back, and you're about the only Republican, I think, who could maybe win in your district. So uh, you've announced you're not going to run again uh, after the current term, and it's going to be interesting to see whether Republicans hold on to the seat. But I want to turn to the death of Brooks Patterson last weekend and the mad scramble to succeed him. Uh, this week uh, and going forward, uh, my head is spinning, uh, Shelley Goodman. Taub. I mean, I can't understand what is happening and what may happen. Can you clarify this for us? Well, I'm going to try my best, okay? <laughs> I don't know if my best is good enough quite yet because my head is spinning just like yours, though, just going round and round and round. We were supposed to have had the vote yesterday, okay, Thursday. Um, uh, Thursday the 6th. Uh, Thursday the 8th. The 8th. Excuse me. Yeah. I, I yeah. apologize. Yeah, Thursday that's okay. Okay. And then uh, the agenda for this procedure was submitted to not one, not two, but three attorneys. Uh, one was the attorney the board hires as their own attorney uh, for special things. The second one was our corporation counsel. And the third one is Jessica Cooper, our prosecuting attorney's office. And all three, believe it or not, came up with the same conclusion, that there had to be a definite break between the time that w- that the chair of the board, if the chair of the board, Dave Woodward, wanted to be county exec, and that he was picked as county exec. So he resigned from the board of commissioners completely um, two days ago. 
okay? Right. He sent a letter of resignation. So now we have a tied board, 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats. The next thing that happened is the meeting was set for Monday. Well, in step the attorneys, and they say, no, 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 you can't have it Monday because we have set precedent as a county. If you recall, uh, we had our sheriff, John Nichols, who passed away in the 90s. There was an interview procedure, and Mike Bouchard was picked as sheriff. Then we had Ruth Johnson go and become Secretary of State, as you recall. And the same thing happened with, she was our clerk, our county clerk. So we had a period of interviews, and she was chosen. The Board of Commissioners didn't choose her, or the sheriff. There's a procedure listed in Public Act 139, but that's another thing. The um, Bill Board was chosen to be the clerk of the county. There were interviews and there were applications. Well, we couldn't go against precedent. I mean, so now the next thing that happened, they asked for interviews, and the meeting that was then rescheduled for Monday couldn't be rescheduled because the applications are due till Tuesday. Yeah, right. So then they went ahead. Uh, we have a acting chair, Marsha Gershenson, and she chose to have the meeting on Thursday, the day of Brooks's funeral. Well, I don't have to tell you, my heart is broken because I've been working with Brooks since the day he took office as county executive in 93. My And I'm the last commissioner left from that whole beginning era. My heart was absolutely broken. I could not believe that one would plan this event on the day of his funeral. I mean, this is so unconscionable. And I guess people scream and carried on. So then it was moved to next Friday, a week from today. Okay. Right. So by that time, what what our acting chair considers a non or bipartisan committee, which will be made up of two Republicans and four Democrats, which to me is not nonpartisan, <laughs> but I guess maybe I'm reading it the tea leaves wrong or something. Uh, I don't have enough experience in this business. So she's going to have them decide on a candidate. And that candidate will be then presented to the Board of Commissioners next Friday. That's what's happening, Bill, in a nutshell. So if your head was spinning before, I know it's spinning more now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me just ask an obvious question. If David Woodward resigned and now the board is evenly split, 10 Democrats and 10 Republicans, as opposed to what it was before he resigned, 11 Democrats and only 10 Republicans, don't the Republicans have additional leverage that they didn't have before? I mean, they could deadlock this thing. And, and as I understand it, if you don't make a decision within 30 days to appoint a successor, there's got to be a special election. And you are, Yes, you are correct. And I would think the Republicans would be motivated to have a special election uh, with the possibility, uh, think about this, that Mike Bouchard, the sheriff, could run in that race in the middle of his term, and even if he loses, he'd still be sheriff. Whereas if he was going to run for the full four-year term in November of next year, he'd have to give up running for sheriff again. He'd have to roll the dice, take a gamble, give up sheriff, which he'd be certain to be reelected to, to go for county executive in a presidential election next year. So why wouldn't the Republicans now say, let's just deadlock this thing, just en masse vote 10-10, 
Uh, the Democrats cannot single-handedly push through their appointee. Uh, all indications are it would be David Woodward probably because, as I understand it, uh, there's a lot of animosity on the board, not only from Republicans but from Democrats toward Andy Meisner, the county treasurer. They wouldn't appoint him. But why wouldn't the Republicans then agree, let's just en masse block the Democrats, force a special election, and give the Republicans a chance to win it? Well, let me just tell you what, what's happening now, first of all. And I'd love to answer that question for you, but I have to give you the logistics first. It is too late. July 23rd was the last time anyone could file in a primary to happen in November. Okay? November of this year. That's correct. Okay. There has been no presidential primary set for March. In Michigan, we can only have three elections annually, November, May, and August. Okay. Right. Okay, and that would mean that most probably the election of whomever, whatever, would have to happen the primary in May and the general in August, the same time we're having the primary again for the for 2021. I see. So in other words, Bouchard would still be stuck uh if he's going to run for sheriff again uh he'd have to give that up in august of next year to run in a primary for county executive that's correct well okay what what about the possibility of the republicans uh, in mass just blocking the democrats appointing woodward or anybody else and letting gerald poisson who is the deputy county executive continue uh, for the next 15 months uh, and wait until November of next year for this thing to be settled? Not a possibility. The law, the Public Act 139 and 156 outline that whole thing. We must go to election. Period. End of story. Wow. Are you with me so far? I know, Bill. So, I am. Like, no, just I'm, as I told you, no. if your head was spinning before, now it's going around twice as fast and in the other direction. Well, how about this? How about the <laughs> le- how about the legislature controlled by Republicans changing the state law to allow uh, you know the filing deadline for a special election or whatever to be extended, so that this uh, deadline that's been missed could be changed. Guess what, Bill. <laughs> Guess what? Who's what? the governor? Well, I know, but maybe she's uh, for, you know, you don't know whether she's for Meisner or Woodward. She might sign it. I have I have no clue. But those are things <laughs> worthwhile looking into. I don't disagree with you. But again, as I said, it's a tumult here. <laughs> it is a tumult. Yeah, and you're right in the middle yeah. of it. you got to vote in this. you got I some skin in the game. I mean, it's unbelievable, really. <laughs> You know what? With all this churning and all this going on, I know Brooks Patterson is in heaven, and I know he's laughing. <laughs> I bet I he is. I know he's loving every minute of I it. I bet he is. Uh, listen, Shelly Goodman-Tobb, County Commissioner, Oakland County, 12th District, you've done a great job explaining all the intricacies of this incredible scene down in Oakland County. Thank you, Shelly Goodman-Tobb. Thank you, Bill.